Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it's been a tough time for local and state law enforcement. So join us on the news line to kind of talk about uh, what officers have been going through is Assistant Chief Chris Bailey of IMPD. Chris, my friend, uh, first of all, thank you very much for being with us. We do appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today. Oh, happy to do it, um, Abdul. Thank you for having me. And number two, uh, also uh, our deepest sympathies uh, for the losses that law enforcement has suffered uh, over the past three weeks. Three officers uh, killed in three weeks. That, that cannot be easy uh, for the men and women who wear blue and brown for that matter. Yeah, our hearts go out to all the families, friends, and colleagues in, impacted by this senseless um, attacks on a law enforcement. You know, attack on a law enforcement officer is greater than just the individual, although we, we care and we'll miss that person. It's actual an attack, an attack on uh, civilized society and the rule of law, which is so important to our our, our function as, a, as, a, as the best country on earth. So it's a very sad time, and uh, the one yesterday – with the deputy or deputy Durham is uh, tragic and heartbreaking, and, and as we learn more about these facts, it's going to be even a more terrible story to tell. Um, so what? So what is actually going on uh, with with folks these days? Is, is it mental health issues? Is it just a respect for law enforcement, or is is it lack of prosecution? What's going on? What, what what's the theory out there? Well, I, mean, I think there's you know, the social scientists are going to have to study what's happened over the last three years, especially since the start of the pandemic, to find out what. You know what's happened because it's not just you know violence it's it's driving behavior it's uh conflict resolution it's the lack of empathy and respect for one another and you know in a realm of topics right whether it's political or personal or religion or whatever it is if something has really happened and with social media is a cause for that i don't know uh but um you know mental health is a, a huge problem i think it was compounded by uh, lockdowns and other things associated with 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 the pandemic. Uh, I always think that there is a, a substance abuse issues have continued to rise. This rise of fentanyl and and uh, the massive amounts of overdoses that we've seen and suicides uh, are all uh, some of those things that we've seen increases in over the last three years. So I think there's a lot of people in our in our communities that are hurting. Uh, there is a lack of accountability that, that exists. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about in the criminal justice system. I'm saying in the schools, in homes, uh, the, the, the traditional institutions that once commanded a lot of respect aren't getting those. Um, religions, churches, pastors, uh, police officers, teachers, all those things that we once uh, respected and were somewhat fearful of uh, no, longer, uh, no longer carry that same weight. And we see people that are angry and taking out their aggression with a weapon of some sort. Most, most, uh, more frequently, it's a, it's a gun, and uh, that, that's everyone carries around one. And when they get into dispute, they're quick to pull it out and, and shoot their their fellow human, rather than discussing or figuring out a different way to handle their conflict. Uh, my friend, uh, you and I are in a, so, sort of in the same age group, and I remember uh, my parents probably remember your parents saying, "You know, these darn kids are." They're no good. The same thing their their parents said about them and their grandparents said about them. How much of this is just sort of 
know, sort of generational, you know, those darn kids versus there, there's something that's fundamentally changed in our society, do you think? No, I, I think that's true. I mean, every every generation has its own challenges and, and identity for sure. But um, we seem to be in, a, in an era where, um, you know, it's a, a violent um, ideology that exists and angry ideology. And I don't I don't know. So some of that is uh uh, that that's true that e- each generation wants to blame the, the previous one or the current one for what's going on. And so, but, I, but like I said, I think every, every generation has its own identity, but right now um, there's just a lot of angry, hurting, sad, depressed, substance abused people, abusing people that, that are walking around. But I will tell you this, as, as grim as that sounds, there's still a lot more good people than there are people that are doing uh, wrong. And uh, we have to remember that we focus a lot of our attention, a lot of the news stories, a lot of the coverage is on all the bad things that are happening. But there are really a lot of good, good things that are happening, too, in our community. And we, we can't lose sight of that by focusing on just the negative. Our guest on the program today is Assistant IMPD Chief Chris Bailey. Just going to talk about uh, sort of crime and public safety in, in, in a local and, multiple, in sort of a broader sense uh, of the issue. Uh, Chris, let's turn our attention here uh, to Indianapolis. Uh, at the end of June, we're still under uh, about 98, 99 homicides, uh, still down 10% uh, from the previous year, but, but still not necessarily a good number. No, 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 I don't think anybody's going to be happy um, in a world where you have uh, one singular homicide. But uh, that's, you know, that's also an expectation that in our current um, society that we can, um, you know, that's not an expectation we can put ourselves to have zero. Although, but I will tell you, uh, 99 murders is too many. Uh, but we, as a police department, as a, as a government, are doing the best we can to try to mitigate these these things. And, you know, we are, we saw some progress last year in bringing those numbers down from what really was a nationwide uh, crisis uh, in 21, 2021, 22 across the country where we saw this huge spike in, in, in uh, violence, specific murders. And so I think across the country, you're starting to see that ease a little bit in major cities, especially. And we saw a little bit of reduction, about 16% reduction last year. And about a 10, 11% right now uh, as we, we get through at least halfway part of the year. I think we're, right now we're, we're a little more comfortable talking about statistics than we would be in, you know, January, February, March, April, because you just never know. Um, at any one time you can have some a horrible incident occur like we saw in Broderbill a few weeks back where we lost three of our community members. And so we don't pat ourselves on the back or, or run around and look at look how successful we are because we still had community members that have lost their lives to violence. And there's still a lot of work to do. But we also have to be, uh, you know, we also have to see progress in our efforts and the things that we're doing. And we're seeing that in, in non-fatal shootings and, and uh, our murder numbers, robbery numbers continue to go down. Um, and so we're, well, we're pleased with that as less victims in our, in our community. There's still a lot of work to do. Uh, Chris, uh, I remember uh, IMPD would used to do sort of sort of the the breakdown data uh, of uh, criminal homicides, so the time, place, what day, what what time of evening, uh, whether the how many of the victims, the age of victims, race of the victims, uh, also the whether the the victims and suspects had uh, criminal prior criminal felonies. I remember it was just a, a, a match streak for years, like 80% of suspects, 80% of victims all had sort of prior adult felonies, whether it was crime against a gun, a person. Or an individual, uh, are those are those numbers data still hold up? Because I know the person. Remember, you told me that person who used to put compile the data retired. Yeah, I mean, we, we just changed the way uh, we d- we did that. I mean, they're still um, tracking those 
criminal histories, but I, I saw over a couple of years, I think it spiked really at about 80%, but then it started to go down as we saw more people without violent histories that were committing some of the violent crimes too. But it was still well over uh, 45, 50% of the people that had multiple felony arrests and crimes against persons uh, arrests. And I think that still holds true uh, right now. Uh, how about how are we with juveniles? Because I know that was also a big issue uh, that you guys noticed that the criminals were getting younger and also a lot more females committing violent crimes than, than in the past. I, I will tell you that I, over the last few years, anecdotally, I don't have it right in front of my face, but I, I, I have seen a, a spike in, in uh, victims being women and suspects being women. And uh, that's, uh, that's a terrible uh, trend that we haven't seen in the past. I mean, I, I know that uh, we had uh, a young woman killed in the broader shooting a couple of weeks ago, probably an innocent, innocent victim in that case, just happened to be, uh, you know, in an area where, where some you know, violent offender pulled the trigger. So um, I have seen that, but a majority of our, our violent crime still is in that age group of about 24 to 30. But what I tell people is that why we, we have to focus on that group, because those are the ones committing the violence now, we cannot forget that these individuals were juveniles. They were kids at one point. And so we have to have programs, we have to have intervention, prevention programs to get to these youth earlier in their lives so that they don't get to the age 24 and then become a victim or, or a shooter or, or a suspect in a violent crime. And uh, the juvenile uh, criminal justice system has changed. Um, and probably there's good, good and bad that come with that, right? We, we probably were creating criminals with some of the things we've done 20, 25 years ago with our juveniles. And, and so now it's really about how can we redirect the youth rather than incarcerating them. However, there are people, both adult and, and under the age of 18, that just have to be put away. They cannot be productive members of our society. They've proven time and time again that they're violent, that they, they commit acts time and time again against their fellow community members and that's just something we have to they just have to go away and uh, that message needs to be clear at all levels of the criminal justice system to the police our prosecutors and, and then our judicial system has to send messages in those instances that that this not going to be accepted in a civilized society our guest on the program today is IMPD Assistant Chief uh, Chris Bailey. Uh, Chris and I were kind of talking about sort of public safety today, but just sort of uh, the, the, the specifics of Indianapolis and sort of the broader terms of the work. Uh, Chris, I want to go back to that sort of that broad ripple incident. Like I said, we had the, the three people shot. Uh, lots of folks in the Broad River Village Association were, were frustrated, upset, and rightly so. Uh, what's being done uh, to make Broad Ripple and, uh, and all of Indianapolis safer? Because you, obviously police can't be everywhere. No, I mean, we... First of all, we care about all of our neighborhoods, and uh, specifically uh, when you talk about downtown Indianapolis and Broader Bowl, specifically that entertainment zone up there, they're, they're unique in, than, than some of our other neighborhoods, not because of who lives there, but because of what comes there. Uh, there are large groups of people that come to downtown Indianapolis for a convention, to have a good time, to eat restaurants, and the same thing in Broader Bowl. And so they, 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 they have to be policed a little bit different. And, um, you know, also, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not – people should be able to run the businesses that they want to run. However, certain businesses attract certain uh, clientele, and when the clientele comes certain issues. And this is not the first time that we've seen these issues in Broderpool. And so what, I, what I'm happy to see is that the Broderpool Village Association, the businesses up there are taking proactive measures to – Clearly, create the environment they want to have in Broderpool uh, after dark because it really has two personalities. And so, IMPD, uh, DPW, 
uh, other city agencies are doing what we think we can do to impact this. Ultimately, though, um, at the end of the day, Broderpool has to decide what they want as a community and then work toward creating that environment in, in their community. I, I always I point to Virginia Avenue, uh, uh, for example, or Fountain Square. They've decided as a community that they're, they, they want their businesses to be what you see there and that, that they fought against um, um, some businesses, a person that was operating one of our problem locations in downtown Indianapolis wanted to open a similar establishment in Fountain Square, and those people came together and said, no, we're not doing that, and, and that didn't happen. So we, we have a very good working relationship with the people in Broderpool. They're very supportive of law enforcement. We are doing our best to, to identify the issues and mitigate it with their help, and uh, you know, we, we hope that the success we've seen over the last three weeks continues but we also want to make sure the businesses are successful too we don't want to see anybody going out of business and so we we put um, some extra safeguards in place we haven't added additional officers uh, per se but we've we've changed some things added some lighting uh, to try to dis, to 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 dis, uh, discourage some of the behavior that we were seeing that was happening most of the people weren't even going into these establishments they were using parking lots and other things just for just for street parties. Uh, Chris, it's interesting you bring that up because I know one of the things that the, the Broad Ripple uh, business window was uh, sort of closed at, everybody sort of closed at 1 o'clock. Uh, my question is, would something like that really work? Because all you're doing is basically forcing people out into the streets to, to sort of do that, that, that congregate, and you got a bunch of, you know, uh, drunks out with, 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 with weapons at 1 o'clock in the morning. It basically means the shootings just start an hour or two earlier. Uh, have you guys sort of yeah. spoken to the Broad River Association about that, that sort of close every time, or maybe sort of a staggered closing, and then once you close, you can't get back in? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the dynamics in Broderpool is that we weren't seeing people come up there to start the big crowds or the problem individuals weren't, weren't coming up there until 1230 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, and that, that, that has been the pattern both in downtown when we had our problems on the South Marine Street corridor and in Broderpool is that people weren't showing up until after 1230. And most were showing up either drunk or high already, or they were sitting in the parking lots getting – uh, getting doing their own party in, in these parking lots, both in downtown and in Broderpool. And so um, I think I think they made a wise decision in, in shutting down at 1 o'clock because people that want to party the way they want are not going to come in earlier. They're just not going to do it. That's not been their pattern or practice uh, in, in our experience and their experience. And, you know, it, it, the one thing that they may be frustrated about is that they see people with guns or they see people drinking in public. Neither one of those is illegal. It is perfectly legal to openly walk around with a gun. It is perfectly legal to walk around with an open beverage in a public place. And so what we needed to do was partner with some of the businesses that have private lots, make sure we have a good uh, trespass agreement and MOU with them, and then shut those lots down so that there's very limited places for people to, to, to park and party. And that's what we've done, and I think that when, when the business owner did that last year, we saw issues in Broderpool go down. Uh, when that, that owner stopped providing security in that parking lot, we saw the crowds once again gather, and then we saw the issues um, uh, ramp up again. So uh, we're going to continue this shutting that lot down for a while as long as the business owner is cooperative, and hopefully it, it continues to make a difference up there. Our guest on the program is IMPD Assistant Police Chief Chris Baylor with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Chris, obviously you can't talk about crime and violence without talking about the use of illegally possessed weapons. We're not talking about responsible gun owners who, who keep their guns locked up, who, who like to do a hunt, sport, fish, or just shoot. We're talking about the bad guys uh, with guns 
uh, with weapons. Uh, the city council passed an ordinance yesterday, uh, basically saying that the state repeals its gun laws and will you know, eliminate assault weapons, raise the age, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what is being done to, to get uh, illegally possessed weapons off the streets? So each one of our districts, uh, you know, number one, I'm going to make it clear, our number one priority is the reduction of violent crime. Um, and we, in 2021, created the Enhanced Community Safety Initiative, where we redirected all of our proactive teams and all the districts to focus on violent criminals, violent offenders, to be laser-focused on those, uh, those individuals. And it has paid dividends time and time again. Uh, we have the Indiana Crime Guns Task Force, which is a, a group of officers, detectives, analysts, agents from federal agencies, ATF, uh, state police, Boone County, uh, Zionsville, Carmel, uh, Fisher's Police Department, uh, Indianapolis Police Department, the list goes on and on of people, uh, Avon, that have come together. Once again, take every illegal gun or crime gun that we have, we test fire into the National Integrated Ballistic Information Network. We, we link it to other um, violent crime incidents, and then we, we take our officers and we go out and we focus on the small number of people, places, and activities that are created, that are contributing to the violence, and it has paid dividends. We can see it in our numbers starting to go down. Uh, the type of cases uh, that our officers are presenting to the prosecutor's office are quality cases. The technology we've added, the, the automated license plate readers and the public safety cameras and our partnership with businesses and, their, and the, and the business-owned cameras have paid dividends time and time again with being able to track down suspects and get them behind bars before they can um, uh, commit another crime. And I want to make sure everybody that's listening understands that our number one, uh, when, we, when we talk about guns, we're talking about illegally possessed guns. We are talking about individuals who use guns against another member of our community. We're not worried about the lawful gun owners uh, who, like you said, are using guns for hunting and other recreational purposes. It's the people that are willing to use a gun against another human being. Uh, those are our, our targets, and those are who we're going after every day. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been IMPD Police Chief, uh, Assistant Police Chief Chris Bailey, uh, talking about uh, sort of crime violence in Indianapolis in general, uh, the the broader and the broader public safety issue uh, in more specific terms. Uh, Chris, my friend, as always, thank you very much for being with us. And you guys, please be careful out there because we know it's we know uh, we want to make sure officers when they go to work they come home to their families. Thank you so much, and to all your listeners, when you see an officer or a deputy, please tell them thank you. They need to feel the support from the community right now more than ever. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.